You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. been in a series on Wednesday nights and we're focusing tonight's the last lesson of this series uh, we've done a series six lessons on the the six pandemics that have happened during COVID that no one's talking about and uh, we've been we've been going through a series we talked about mental health we've talked about division defamation distrust disorientation and tonight's our last lesson and the lesson tonight will be called distraction. And of course, a lot of these things, obviously, they were all here before COVID. Uh, but COVID has amplified some of these uh, important things that we're not talking enough about. And uh, people are dealing with and will be dealing with uh, for years to come. And so the church must be prepared to help people through things that uh, they're dealing with, for example, with mental health, um, division, and distrust, uh, things that people are dealing with every day uh, in, our, in our society. And uh, the world is needing answers. And we know that the Lord is the greatest answer. There's all kinds of things that can help us along the way. Uh, lots of materials, obviously lots of professionals, People that can help us, but nobody can touch you like Jesus can. Nobody can touch you like Jesus can. So tonight, we're going into lesson six, and we're talking about distraction. COVID-19 uh, created a global crisis, uh, and probably the greatest global crisis since World War II. Uh, and along with it came uh, great disruptions in the way people go to school, how people work, uh, travel, um, and obviously our relationship with others. All of these things have been majorly affected over the last two years plus. Uh, the way we relate and engage with one another has changed. Some people may never again see uh, uh, as many people each day as they did before the pandemic. It's just the facts of of, of some people are afraid, uh, other situations of work-related, uh, no longer maybe are working in public, or whatever the case might be. And for many, their work shifted from uh, a work office to a home office, and there are instances where that won't return. That will be that way. Uh, In-person meetings became virtual meetings. I'm all virtual meeting out. Uh, I enjoy sitting across the table uh, or the desk from other people. Uh, some businesses uh, and vocations flourished while some uh, and many suffered and even closed. Uh, uh, events we anticipated attending um, were changed or canceled uh, or uh, obviously also went virtual. Travel, especially uh, international travel, for whatever type of trip you wanted to take, that was disrupted. And um, we, through that whole process, we went to um, St. Louis to graduate from our master's, and on that trip, we were tested five times. My nose was all tested out. Uh, so we had all kinds of things that happened during the last two plus years and the disruptions brought about a new normal uh, that we had to learn to navigate uh, a professor Rick Van Neuenhoff which is an associate professor at medieval thought of Department of Theology and Religion in Durham University uh, I, I, I read some articles on on that he provided and he, he uh, made this statement a great French mathematician and religious thinker Blasey Pascal said, I quote him with a sense of hesitation because sometimes his words could come across offensive in today's context, but he said, I have discovered 
that all the unhappiness of people arises from the fact that they cannot stay quietly in their own home. A person has enough to live on if he knew how to stay with pleasure at home. Well, that was said a long time ago. And over a two-year period, people were forced into that setting. Now, everyone's got different personalities. Um, if I was to give you an example of my wife and I, she didn't mind being home at all. She, she can work around, and uh, she can see people every so often, and she's totally fine with that. Um, I live to see people. <laughs> Through quarantine, uh, on one particular event, I think it was on day 12 of that event, my wife was like, you got to get out of this house. I, I feel energized by people. I love being around people. Everyone's got different personalities. Well, in the middle of all that, uh, you can understand the sentiment that Pas Pascal was expressing. Uh, we need to understand the concept uh, of distractions to, to know how, how important of what he was saying. Uh, as the word suggests, the distractions, it refers to multiple diversions that scatter or distract the soul. Uh, this scattering is the exact opposite of what spiritual authors call uh, uh, a recollection of the soul. Distractions are the hundred and one, or a thousand and one, or a hundred and one diversions, uh, however many you want to think of, uh, which usually attempt to fill the void at the bottom of our lives, such as attending maybe a sporting event, or a concert, or going on a holiday, or even spending time at the gym, whatever. Everyone's got all kinds of different things. And usually, our lives, we live from one distraction to another. It actually, it actually becomes something to look forward to uh, when you're um, kind of getting through your day on the job. You're looking forward to something to do or occupy upon your arrival at home or maybe the day off or the weekend or whatever the case is. And diversions or distractions keep us from staying or standing still. They keep us from really paying attention to reality, including others or other people in our lives. Sometimes people use distractions not to deal with people. I can give you a great example of that. Some people will use children as the distraction to get out of conversation or events or all kinds of things. Um, that's just the way we're made. It causes us to, um, to take our life in a different viewpoint uh, than maybe uh, someone else. Uh, it, it, to some, it makes life bearable. <laughs> and it entices them to live on the surface, which is why they, distractions can be both a blessing and a curse. Pascal, the same writer, writes, The only thing which consoles us from our miseries is diversion, and yet this is the greatest of our miseries. For it is this which principally hinders us from reflecting upon ourselves and which makes us um, insensibly ruin ourselves. Without this, we should be in a state of weariness, and this weariness would spur us to seek a more solid means of escaping from it by diversions or distractions amuses us and it leads us unconsciously to death. Uh, in a post-Christian world, and, you know, we, we were considered a Christian country, and that's becoming less and less. If you look at statistics, you know, 40, 50 years ago, 65, 70% of people went to church of some denomination. That's 10% or less today. And a big factor in all of that is distractions. In a post-Christian world, there's two phenomena that we, can, we cannot relate to at all, and that's called suffering and death. And so we prefer to ignore them. 
um, by pursuing distractions. We, we want to get our minds off of those two things. So we hide them away or we attempt to master them for better or for worse through technological processes. And what has happened is the pandemic of COVID-19 has reminded us of our vulnerability to suffering and death. And so it has put distractions on steroids. So it, it, it discloses actually a void that we've always suspected but has been amplified during the last two years plus. And so in the midst of this, it creates a weariness. And, and we, we lack the reflecting on ourselves and we, we uh, become present to ourselves and not others. And we consider the searching questions uh, uh, that linger at the bottom of our existence and distractions become what we do temporarily to get our mind off of life. That's not always the right thing. Pascal notes that very few of us live in the present. Past and future offer their own often imagined pathways to potential happiness. Uh, the present is, is generally bothersome to us when we have to deal with life right now. And so if it's troubling, we conceal it by doing other things to get our mind off of life right now. So if, if we got some things that are weighing us down, troubling us, uh, well, what can I do to get my mind off of that? And that's the society that we're living in. Push it off. Deal with it tomorrow. Let someone else take care of it. That's the push. And so we lean on um, distractions. But only the present is ours. Today's crisis compels or even invites people uh, to, uh, to cease anticipating what the future is or relying on the past. Where am I right now? And so you can think of that naturally, but obviously it is even amplified when we think about it spiritually. We're going to get there. This is not to say that we shouldn't hope. Obviously, as Christians, hope is, I mean, that's the optimism that we have. We hope for. We're looking forward to. Um, we're, we're, uh, we got our eyes on, and, and we've got our, 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 our sight and our sound turned to the things that God is doing and going to do. And that's, that's always the hope that you and I have as a Christian. But that doesn't mean that we have to ignore the present and occupy it with distraction. Christian hope is not just characterized by a horizontal dynamic towards some maybe future event like we, we talk about when we talk about the second coming of the Lord, the rapture of the church. I mean, we should preach about it and we should talk about it. But we also should look at a vertical event that how does God want us to occupy while we're still here? Because I, I don't think he has any desire for you not to be absolutely, totally fulfilled while you're here. I mean, he's got purpose for every one of us. Everyone in this room, he's got purpose for. And so it's, it's absolutely important and necessary that we realize that purpose and fulfillment that God has for us. Um, one thing to keep in mind about distractions, they're, they're, they're great time wasters. I mean, you can, you can get caught up in something and time can just fly by. And that's why they're so, um, they're so easily effective on people's lives. So it, it is the recognition that here and now is the very moment that God has a work in your life to accomplish. You can't, you can't change what's already happened, and tomorrow will never get here. It'll be today when it gets here. Uh, so you have to focus, God, what is it that you want for my life? How is it that you want your power to work through my life today? Today. 
the presumption of naive belief in pseudoscientific panacea, or which is a remedy for all disease or ills, or an answer or a solution for all problems or difficulties. If we wait for that, that ain't going to happen. Uh, or the paralyzing sense of despair of those who have the courage to acknowledge that, that, uh, that our finitude, we cannot discern it. We, we, if we dare to hope for a divine mystery that is both present and awaits for or, or some turmoil that, that uh, God's got to get us out of. Uh, listen, we can't focus on, on what the world is going to provide now or later. The only thing that you can get your mind on is, God, help me not to be distracted from the work that you want to have happen in my life right now. Right now. If you focus on all, well, the solutions are coming. Or, you, or you're caught up in the despair of what's coming. Either way. I mean, you'll, you, you'll, be, you'll be wasting your valuable, precious time of life. And so, what are some distractions that have got us all caught up, especially in the last two years plus? Um, some people's got this little thing that they push, turn on, whatever the case is. It's called notifications. Every single app in the world begins its relationship with you by asking, allow notifications. Your automatic answer to that question should be an absolute no. You don't want to be notified. You really don't need to know every time someone sends you an email. Similarly, it's useful to be notified, obviously, at certain times, but you don't need to know every time someone comments on your Instagram. Why? Well, think of, uh, think of these notifications as someone tapping you on the shoulder. If someone tapped you on the shoulder between the average of 30 to 300 times a day, You would either punch them or ask for a restraining order. That's what's happening when you have notifications on. Every time your phone vibrates, that's what's happening. You don't think that people you're in real-life conversations with aren't bothered by your constantly buzzing phone and your incessant need to check your screen, uh, but you know, actually, it's hard to respect or follow a distracted person. Being busy isn't a sign of respect anymore. It's a sign you're not managing your time well or your priorities well. Instant notifications about your messages aren't really that important. Actually, I'm not really that important. I'm not. And with all due respect, neither are you. We're really not that important. But we've got ourselves in a frenzy that it doesn't matter if you're driving, working, cooking, looking after the kids, doing whatever. We've got ourselves in a frenzy with notifications. Dinging and vibrating and tunes, whatever. Um, you say, well, is it that? Yeah, it's actually that important because it'll interrupt your prayer time. It'll interrupt your study time. It'll interrupt you talking to someone, having an actual conversation. Okay, hold on. It's going to get worse. Our text messages... You're probably thinking, I, I get the part about not getting notifications about Instagram. And, but what about text messages? But you and I, we don't have to be a slave to it. When you're able to take a break, pull out your phone and do a quick check, 
That way they don't interrupt you. But you may, you may say or argue, I can't miss a text message. What about my wife and kids? <laughs> yeah, right. What about my super important projects? Well, most people, the youth and the children are all downstairs. So they, I'm talking to the older group tonight. What was it like when you were a kid? What was it like when you were a kid? Um, your parents had no idea where you were. After a few hours, they called the neighbors, check on you. Guess what? You survived. And so did they. You could say ditto with that with work. People used to get work done at work. <laughs> Remember those days. Now, you don't get work done at work. <laughs> it's a constant interruption of one reason after another. And what's happened is it's confused importance with urgency. Text messages may be important, but mostly they're not that urgent. If you're going to look at your phone every hour anyway, what's the difference? <laughs> but you say, well, what if it's an emergency? Well, I suppose if you're waiting for a kidney transplant and the doctor's going to be texting you, you might want to keep your phone on. But that's not actually probably what ruined your day last Tuesday. <laughs> There's probably some other text you got that interrupted the next however many hours of your day that got you distracted. <laughs> it's Bible study night. Is everyone okay? <laughs> because these are the things that have happened during COVID that no one's talking about. This is why we should, and I understand there's circumstances, but we have to be careful that um, we can take a, a break from our phone. Guess what? The planet's still spinning, and I promise you it still will, whether you got your phone on or not. We've become absolutely distracted by our devices. Don't need to check the scores during church. Doesn't matter if someone Facebooked you during service. It's not necessary. It's not. Oh, man. No one brought anything to throw at me, did they? I'm okay, good. Uh, number three is idle curiosity. Uh, the challenge of working in an online environment is that the world is literally at our fingertips. And distractions are just an actual click or tap away. And it takes tremendous self-discipline not to go down the rabbit hole on a regular basis of the internet. From social media to mindless Googling things that really don't matter. <laughs> okay? The earth is not flat. You don't even have to, you don't have to Google it. Who invented the straight razor really doesn't matter. Curiosity is a great thing, but idle curiosity produces nothing. Nothing. Uh, we can blame our office environment, our coworkers. We can blame endless email or whatever. But eliminating those things does not stop you and I from clicking. Okay? I cannot, I cannot blame my clicking on who works here at the church. I cannot blame my wasted time on family. The only person that can control that is me. We used to talk about all the waste of time of television. 
Television is nothing today compared to the Internet. Listen, I don't need an enemy. I have one. And that's the perpetual distraction of, of what's available at my fingertips. And um, the danger, the danger of online activity can also become a distraction in our life in many areas. Hold on, if you would. Um, can I just say this? If you already got a spouse, you don't need a chat line. This is Bible study night. <laughs> Statistics tell us that 65% of the Internet is pornography. You have, to, you have to be careful what you get yourself into clicking because it can be a distraction that affects you spiritually. And instead of people spending time with their spouse or their family or their kids or their grandkids, they can end up spending a lot of time on the Internet. Now, listen, I know there's positives. We can reach people around the world, and I thank God for it. But that's not what we spend most of our time doing. Okay, I'm going to move on. Inefficient email and, and conversation. Like, if we, if we can't totally escape, I understand. Entirely, we're living in a society where it's necessary to communicate. But we can, as I've already stated, turn off the notifications for a good start. That'll help solve some problems. And try changing some practices that you have during the day. Uh, for example, maybe just a small amount of time or a window of time in the morning um, to make sure, you know, nothing's on fire, I suppose. And 95% of the time, nothing is on fire. <laughs> uh, and then maybe a practice of of the afternoon or later in the day, taking care of, of what's necessary. But we've got ourselves so bent out of shape with waiting for the next conversation. The less time you spend on email, the less it will consume you. Don't manage um, or try to manage your life just by communication online. This is, this is how it happens to most people. Someone thinks something is an issue, so they send an email. Someone adds a thought, and they reply to all. <laughs> and before you know it, you got a whole bunch of people having a conversation back and forth, and it really wasn't that important to start with. A conversation that may take five minutes ends up being a very huge time consumer and a distraction to our lives. You say, well, pastor, that's, it's, it's, just, it's innocent. It's, it's true. It could be. But I'm, what I'm telling you is we've got ourselves into this mindset that that's actually what takes up our time on a daily basis instead of things that we should focus on to better our lives spiritually. Um, can I just add this in here? There's a lot of misunderstanding online. I get, I get real nervous when I email because it's kind of cut and dry, and I'm not a real flowery person. I can't make it sound real good. No, seriously. I, I don't know how to do that. I, 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 I read some people's emails, and it's like, my land, how long did they spend thinking up all those beautiful words? Mine comes back, I'll take care of it. I never know if that's good, bad, or ugly. That's all I had to say. Um, a lot of misunderstanding happens online. I just, I like just talking to the person. We get caught up in so many meetings, and our producti productivity dies in those types of things. Meetings can become a huge distraction, and the world 
where people often simply just need to get work done. We're all caught up in spending all this time to solve the things that we have no time left to do after the fact. Number six, people have an open schedule. Things are, you know, chances are you, you may only take care of appointments with others or meetings or schedules that is important. But what about, but what about appointments for you? How many's putting appointments in their schedule for them? Just to think. Just to think. Just to journal. Just to read. Well, I don't have time to think, Pastor. Then you're too busy. It's a big mistake, folks. The, the enemy, if we're not careful, the enemy can get us distracted from being how God's created us to be. He wants us to meditate on him. Read a few scriptures and think about it for a while. Well, I, I've got too much to do. Um, you're not taking care of you. You should be writing in there times to think and date nights and family time. And there's nothing wrong with scheduling a good old-fashioned date night. An open schedule is a guarantee that you won't spend enough time with the people you really love the most. I'm talking about distractions. And you say, well, yeah, I know. God's already dealt with me before I, I had to put this together. <laughs> I told my wife today, it's a mess for me. I, I... We can become so distracted from our priorities that we suffer spiritually. Okay. I'm, I'm hurrying. And then uh, the last one, conversations without a purpose. Uh, conversations can be a waste of time if we don't uh, be careful uh, that we, we can get trapped into them. And when I'm talking about conversations, it's not about um, us standing around or sitting around having a chat. There's nothing. That's actually healthy. Well, what happens in our society today, people become so selfish, only one person talks. And no one else finds anything that's happening in anyone else's life. It's only one person's troubles and one person's goals and one person's priorities. And the conversation happened all by one person. And so we get distracted. We get distracted from being how God's created us to, to talk about each other's victories and to talk about each other's accomplishments and to share each other's concerns and to, to discuss the productivity that God has in all of our lives. It's not just about me. It's about all of us. So we need to take an honest look at the place that we're currently living and ask yourself, is this where we want to stay forever? So how, how do we become part of the cure? The culture is fragmenting and fraying, and we need to resolve fresh, uh, a fresh uh, a love for people and a show of kindness and and, and we need to actually, as the church, show a distracted world what it actually means to be the family of God and the people of God. Because these issues won't suddenly end. It's not going to get to a place where, you know, COVID is now eradicated and, and everyone's going to go back to normal. It's, no, it's not happening. You and I, as children of God, need to make sure we evaluate our lives and say, okay, I want to make sure I'm not distracted from what's most important in my life. Cultural convulsions like the ones we're going through have patterns and tend to last. Uh, uh, statistics tell us for at least four to six years before there's a change. And our culture is resetting, and we must be prepared to respond to the new normal with the gospel in ways that are effective and life-giving and, and letting people know that, you know what, you're important enough for me to stop everything else that I'm doing just to talk and listen to you. First Chronicles chapter 12 and 32, we read how the men of Ishakar, this is what they had an understanding of the times and to know what Israel had to do. And this is what it says. The sons of Ishakar, who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. 
there was a group of people that knew in their time period what Israel needed to do to take care of the people. That's what they're, that's how they're described. They're described as a group of people that know how to take care of the people. Folks, I, I, I want it to be that mission point is labeled that way. There's a whole group of people at Mission Point that care enough about the people that they know what they need. There was a group of people. That's what they did. Guess what? 2022, we need a group of people that that's what they do. We need a church, the family of God, that's so concerned about other people that we're not distracted by the world that we live in. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. The Bible is very clear. If I have a love for the world, then the love of the Father is not in me. We need men and women today that do what the people of Ishakar did. Um, in the first century, Paul, and I'll, I'll read this passage and bring it to a close. Paul's ex exhortation to the Roman church in Romans chapter 13, verses 11 to 14, he talks about it in the sense of the church today. So during the time of, of Israel, Ishakar knew what the people needed. That's what their job was. Paul's saying, and he's speaking to the church of today and, and to the church in Rome. And this is what he says. And do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry or drunkenness, not in lewdness or, or, uh, and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. That very first verse, uh, verse 11 and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. That, the starting of that verse, when he says, and that, the meaning uh, that's being expressed there is that the requirements of the law toward our neighbor are to be met by two things. One is love, and the other is remembering that we are nearing eternity. And so what happens is, if we think in those terms, we have a less chance of being distracted by the world. And that, and that, we're here to love and to prepare people for, for eternity to spend with the Lord. This, folks, will prompt an honesty, a truth, a peace, uh, and a contentment within ourselves uh, that uh, what's most important Say, this is to the Roman church. It is the church of today. It is the church of today. He said, and that, then he uses the phrase, knowing the time. That means a proper, taking a proper estimate of the time. <laughs> taking just views of the shortness and the value of the time the, to design what, what and how close we are to the coming of the Lord. We got to keep preaching and keep uh, in making sure we, we remind ourselves that the Lord is coming. And we can't allow distraction to get us off board. It has been one of the pandemics that the enemy has used during COVID. He has amplified it. Well, you got all kinds of time at home. You got all kinds. So you're going to get caught up in all kinds of things. I've watched two things happen in people's lives. I've watched people allow distractions to become the focal point, and I've, uh, I've also watched people that said, I'm going to draw closer to the Lord than when I have ever been before. 
I'm going to study more. I'm going to spend more time with him than I have ever stayed or spent time with him before. And what has happened is they've taken the opposite approach of distraction and say, this is the time. Knowing the time. Knowing the time. Further considering that the time in which you and I live in is the time of the gospel. It's a period of light and truth where we can let our lives live in such a way that, that um, people can see, you know what, there can be all kinds of things happening around us, but we still got our focus on what's most important in our lives. Do you remember the rush for toilet paper? Incredible. Distraction. Remember the rush for hand cleaner? Now you can buy it for five, five gallon pails for near nothing. Seriously. I think it was selling like for $200 a pail during the height of yeah, you can get it for a pretty good deal now. Places were given it away. What's happened is we got to know the time. Listen, I'm not talking about ignoring what happened. That was serious. But while that's all taking place, people's lives are easily got off track by the things that are happening around them. The, Paul said it's high time. It's the hour. It's the hour to awake. That's a, that's a beautiful figure. It's the dawn of, of, of day. It's the approaching light of the morning. It's the time to get out of slumber. The, the darkness of night, that's when people sleep. But Paul said, it, listen, it's time to get ourselves wide awake. And the world has sunken into the night, I mean, there's, there's sadness and depression and anxiety and, I mean, everything's just rampant in the world right now. But for a child of God, it's time to actually, it's the hour to be awake, wide awake spiritually. The morning light of the gospel dawns and the sun of righteousness has risen and, and listen, action and can happen by the, the power of God's presence because you're not distracted by life. Man, I've got one focus, and that's the focus of Jesus. Everything else is, is stuff passing by. It's stuff happening. But I've got myself with my mind clearly stated on him. It says to awake out of sleep. I, I've got to hurry on here. Uh, he says, uh, awake out of sleep, do that as quickly as possible. Then when we believed, even from when we first found out, when you first came to God, you're, you're so much closer. You're so much closer to that perfect light of spending eternity with the Lord. Don't get distracted. Listen, two things are going to happen. Two things are going to happen. You're going to go in the second coming of the Lord, or you're going to pass from this earth. Those things are guaranteed. I'm not trying to be gloom and doom. I'm just saying we're closer to the light than we've ever been. This is absolutely not the time to become distracted. It's the opposite. He said the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. The word night in the New Testament is used to obviously denote night, literally. Uh, and, uh, and, and in the place here, it seems to denote that, that present imperfect uh, and obscure condition of the world that it's in right now. It's, it's the night is far spent and the day is at hand. 
the light is just around the corner. And he said, listen, cast off the works of darkness. Put on the armor of light. We're getting ready. I don't think it's, there's nothing sad about that. As a church and as a family of God, you and I need to be ready. That's far spent. That, it, that means time is short. The hastening to a close. The day is at hand. The, the redemption of the Lord draweth nigh. We're closer. Let us, therefore, let's get rid of everything that's a distraction. Cast that off. Lay it aside. Put it away. It's a work of darkness. Don't need to be taking karate class during church. No, I'm serious. Who cares if you know how to do karate? If you want to protect yourself someday, that's great. But don't let it take you away from church. The night is far spent. Well, you know what? He's a good hockey player. Who cares? That ain't going to work over there. I'm serious, church. That's a distraction. I went through it. We all want to be proud of our kids. Don't worry. I, there's no one that wants to be more proud of our kids than I am. I went through this with Miko. Miko was good. He was good. He was better than me. Way better. He didn't have to be too good to be better than me, but he was really good. He made the AAA team. He did. But there was a little qualification. Miko, if anything is on church times, you can't be part of it. Practice was on Wednesday night and games were on Sunday. It was an absolute off the list. Doesn't matter how good you are. What matters is that you're ready for the coming of the light. That's all that matters. Hear me tonight, parents. You aren't helping your kids. It's a distraction. You say, Pastor, I don't like what you're saying. It's too bad. It's the truth. You can't allow the distractions of this world. Mm. Listen, I want them to know the best karate chops and all that stuff. Jiu-jitsu or whatever. Be the best at what they can do. Don't let it be a distraction from your walk with God. And parents, while you're off taking them to all that stuff, you're missing church. None of that's in my notes. Where was I? Coming to a close 10 minutes ago. Let us walk honestly, as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. Put away all those things. I don't have time to talk about it all tonight. Get rid of that stuff and put on, he said. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provision. Make not provision for the flesh. All that stuff will distract you from what really matters. It's true. And what happens at the end of the day, the less thereof is what gets a hold of people instead of putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let the kids be in the house of God. You be in the house of God. Be in prayer. Be, be in every, every opportunity to be involved in, in, in the work of the Lord. Do, do it. Don't allow yourself to be distracted. Yeah. That word. That word rendered put ye on in verse 14, it's the same word that's used in Romans 13 and 12. And it's commonly used as apparel or clothing. The phrase is put on a person, which, you know, it seems to be a pretty strong expression in our language. We're going to put on Jesus. But the, 
Greek writers, uh, the, the idea behind what they're saying is to imitate. Imitate. That's the example. Imitate his spirit. Imitate to be like him. Put on the Lord Jesus means to take him as a pattern, as a guide, to, to obey his precepts and to become like him in all aspects of what the Lord was like. Imitate him. He was temperate. He was chaste. He was pure. He was peaceable. He was meek. Put that on. God help me not to be distracted about what is happening around me. I'm not going to make provision. I'm not going to take provident care. I'm not going to worry about what the world is saying is satisfying to my flesh. All that matters to me, God, is I'm not distracted from you. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop it. Listen, in all the pandemics that we've talked about, mental health and division and distrust and disorientation, defamation, and tonight we talked about distraction. We face all of those things today. And they're going to be here. Let me tell you, distractions are not going away. Okay, they're going to come out with the next newest phone. It's going to come out. It's going to be some crazy thing that we never heard tell of. Let us be aware of the times, but keep our focus on the sure salvation. Let us cast off the darkness of our culture, yet copying or imitating the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us put aside our habits that may not be godly, and yet put on, put on the power and the presence of God in our lives. It will not be a distraction that keeps us close to the Lord. There's only one thing that's going to keep us close to him, and that is him, the Lord Jesus Christ. Distractions has been amplified in the last two years plus, and it's really not being talked about enough. We've talked a lot about COVID, and rightfully so. But there's people still caught up in the distraction of what's happening around them in 2022. We need to step back, reevaluate, and say, can I tell you this in closing? It's more challenging for some people to set aside their phone for three days than it would be to set aside food. I'm not joking. Some people would fast food quicker than they would fast their phone. That is a distraction. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.